0: hey guys Montel here and welcome to this edition of let's be blunt with Montel. thank you so much for coming in and tuning in today i'm, I'm really looking forward to the guest we have on because he's a fellow vet and a you know a, a former uh apache pilot and a guy who's now transitioned into cannabis And i'm gonna tell you a little bit more about that but i just wanted to just make a comment, and you know you digest it the way you choose. This is me. What was it two weeks ago? The president of the United States went in for a press conference, and he made a statement that I'm going to have my DOJ relook and take a look at why cannabis is in the category that it's in, and we'll see if we can speed up that process. I'm going to do exactly what I told you. I promised I was going to do. When I was running for election, which is a lie, because when he was running for election, he said he was going to try to do something in the first 100 days. Well, it's been two years, homeboy. So, you know, we've really, really stretched this out a little bit. But the whole idea about now I'm going to do, I'm going to have them do a quick look at rescheduling cannabis. And, and as if we need to take now, what, another two years before that gets done so they can lie again in the next presidential campaign and say, I'm going to do something for you to get your vote is really getting ridiculous and you know, I don't know I just wonder what you think about it so you know send me a couple notes let me know I mean do you think our fed is going to finally do something I right now i, I could care less if they went ahead and said I'll deschedule at least to give me something to argue about um you know or they went on and said I'll decriminalize I, that'll give me something to argue about but do something isn't it kind of ignorant though but how quickly that story came and went now we can talk about Ukraine all day long. We could talk about divisiveness in America all day long. But a decision that is now 100 years in the making, and you have a president that literally made a comment saying, I'm going to do something, that's not been repeated since. I've not heard it on one news station. Nobody's talking about it. And you need to wonder why. And if you need to be prompted a little bit, just recognize the fact that all the news outlets that covered the story for a nanosecond. Remember, they bookended the story with ads from pharmaceutical companies. So let's just remember that the pharmaceutical industry isn't on the same page as us until they can figure out how they can grab this and steal it and take it away from everybody. They're really not big sponsors of changing the regs on cannabis because they know that it's going to take big dollars out of their pocket. They are ready for that. They're they're not ready for that. They are are ready to fight the fight as long as they can. Until mm, it looks like I'm going to lose this, then they're going to jump aboard and say, "Oh, we believed in cannabis all along." So I'm just throwing it out there. I want you to think about it a little bit. That's what we do here, unless we blow up my toes. Bring up topics so you can do some thinking, and that's what we need to be doing as a nation. I mean, you know, we take a look at how divided this country is heading into the midterms but nobody talks about how united the country is around cannabis. I mean, let's look at it for a fact. Well over, depending on which poll you listen to which week, and depending on how the question is asked, we believe that somewhere in the mid 90 percentile now, people believe that cannabis should be made medically available to all. We do know that There are polls that are stretching between 62 to 67% that says that cannabis should be made legal, period. Not medical, just cannabis. There are other polls that have stated, I just saw a poll uh, about two weeks ago that said that um, they believe that more people are smoking cannabis than are smoking cigarettes. Wow. So we are now living in a nation where we already know that we have, what is it, 38 states and the District of Columbia have already passed some form of cannabis law to allow for cannabis use. And right now at the midterms, I think there's another five states that have got it on the ballot. So we're almost close to 42 states out of 50 that think it's okay. Yet no one is having a serious conversation about it anywhere to present the sides of the story to the nation. But let's remember what, all parties are all angered about the January 6th when they when they rushed and invaded the Capitol. Oh, my God. It was the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Well, the original stories told the truth. There was a lot, a lot of cannabis smoking going on that day. Hmm. So it doesn't matter which side you're on. Just like with the Civil War, the only thing the North and South had in common was the fact that their uniforms were made from hemp. Just like the Revolutionary War, (laughs) the entire Revolutionary Army was clothed in hemp. Let's also remember that all of our forefathers who wrote all the documents that we claim to allegiance to, documents that were written on hemp paper, all of them grew hemp. It was mandatory to grow hemp as a farmer. You were considered unpatriotic if you didn't do so. Don't believe the lie that tobacco is the crop that, that made America great. Or cotton, hemp, cannabis was a product that made America great. I'm just saying. So when you're thinking about things these days, just start thinking about the fact that why is it that something as controversial as this, something that is as transformative as this, gets zero attention? And understand that there are people who are paying bills to other people who are saying, I'm going to stop paying that bill if you start talking about cannabis in any kind of a favorable way until I get my piece. Just saying. But my guest today, I'm excited to have him on the show. He's a co-founder and CEO of Jane Technologies, Inc. After leaving active duty in the military back in 2011 as a U.S. Army veteran and Apache pilot commander, he turned to cannabis to reacclimate himself to civilian life because cannabis wasn't legal at the time where he lived. He was forced to rely on the black market, which so many people in this country still are doing, where he couldn't be sure about the quality of the cannabis that he was buying. Frustration of that experience, coupled with the lack of access for can- to cannabis for him and his fellow veterans, led him to co-found Jane Technologies with his brother. Socrates Rosenfeld, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montella today, sir.
1: Montella, it's a pleasure to be on. Really, it is just that opening alone. It's yeah. gonna be exciting to be on joining this conversation.
0: Great. Well, you know, where Let's let's start there. We're gonna back up and do a lot of background on you, but let's start there, my friend. I mean, didn't it? Doesn't it kind of throw you a little bit the fact that this is a big statement? I mean, it's just like saying, you know, you can wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I mean, it's, it's as big an issue in America as any issue there is. The president of the United States goes on national television, takes four minutes to say, "Wow, well, I really think that we should review uh, whatever smack it was he was talking. He talks his trash. And then there's not one story has followed it up.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, can you think of one that you've seen in the last two weeks? I, I no. maybe I'm looking at the wrong channels.
1: No, I and I think we are. um as a country, we've been conditioned to, to uh, at least in talking about this plan, try to put it in the form of regulation and dollars and cents, which is understandable. But at the end of the day, there's an underlying story to all of this that, um, as you said, transcends party line, transcends demographic, north south east west, Republican Democrat, and that's the, fa- the fact that uh, cannabis is a is a product and a plant that helps people, human beings whether they are veterans coming back home, whether they're senior citizens or folks who are uh, facing, you know, uh, terminal illnesses, looking for relief, whether they're parents of children, um, you know, way back to to the founding of Charlotte's Web, Um, those kinds of stories, those are the stories that I believe need to be talked about at a national level because the dollars, the cents, the SAFE Act versus this act, That's all very, very important. But the one thing we cannot deny, the one thing that I don't think is opinion, that is truth, is the the millions and millions of people who have uh, experienced a sense of well-being and wellness because of this plant. And um, Since the
0: dawn of man. Amen. amen. Since Since, the dawn of man. Since the dawn of man. And if if we want to listen to the BS, I mean, you know, uh, I think about two weeks ago, um, the FDA uh, came out and said that there was a person who passed away from working in a cannabis laboratory, mm. and he passed away from cannabis. I'm not real sure that's true. Uh, to be actually honest with you, they may have died because they had some underlying conditions that maybe working in that laboratory did exacerbate. Maybe I'm not sure, but let's take a look at since the dawn of for three thousand years, there have been people working with this plant, exactly. people doing the same thing, little huts, little caves. And not one registered death. And if no. this is the first, then I'll acknowledge it's the first death. But how many people have died from alcohol? How many people have died from opiates? I mean, we look at it right now. We act as if, you know, th- this is the one thing about this country that just drives me effing nuts. A year and a half ago, no one could talk right before the pandemic. Nobody could talk about anything other than the opioid crisis in America. We're losing 100,000 people every couple of months. Oh my god, the numbers are terrible. The numbers haven't changed. Same number of people die in the day
1: mm. right now. Mm. Mm.
0: In the last time since the two of us started talking, you know, what, 15, 12 minutes ago, I think there's something like 20 people have died of overdoses. Mm. It hasn't changed. But nobody's yeah. saying anything about it. Why? Because let's go back to what I was arguing about at the top of this hour. You know, I mean, come on. You know this, my my friend, uh, being a military gentleman like yourself. I mean, we fought for twenty years in Afghanistan. The Russians fought for twenty years before us. Uh, they were the British fought for twenty years before them, mm. and not one time along the way did anybody burn down opium fields. What? Right. Right. Even while we were fighting, and we protected the opium fields, what? Makes but our government won't tell us that. Hmm?
1: Yeah, it makes you wonder. It's a, um, it's it's a uh, it's a question that uh, you know uh, we have voted these leaders in to protect us, to look out for us, um, uh, to speak on our behalf in our best interests, and uh, when 97 percent of the country is going on record to say, this is what we want. Man, it, we, we shouldn't be arguing about this too much longer. And, and, right. and, and, that, and that same right. 97% are saying, stop letting the pharmaceutical industry kill us. Right. I tell you what, Montel, there's an interesting statistic. Um, the highest volume state markets, right, uh, for your listeners, you, you mentioned 38 states have legalized cannabis. And you would think that the largest state market is maybe California or Colorado, right? Where it's been legal for a very long time. Man, it's it's Southern Illinois, it's Pennsylvania, it's Ohio, it's Florida. And if you overlay that with where the opioid epidemic is worse, is that it's worse? It's a one-to-one correlation as to where we see the most demand people willing to stand outside at 6 a.m. in the morning just to get some semblance of legal cannabis. Man, that's a powerful statement. That's what we should be talking about as a country, in my opinion. The rules, the laws, the regulations, the dollar and cents are a byproduct of doing what's right and, and doing what's right for the American people. And I think we've said that and proven that long enough, especially during the, the pandemic. People have been gravitating towards this plant to help give them a sense of well-being and wellness that, during a time that's been very stressful. So.
0: Brother, during the pandemic, 2021... The legal cannabis market sold over twenty-five billion dollars worth of product. Yeah, the gray and black market probably sold two and a half times that. So that's seventy-five billion dollars ta- billion worth of product sold. That puts it on par with alcohol. Exactly, or with the highest selling vertical and selling vertical in America.
1: Exactly. And and the, sorry to interrupt you, Montel, but the difference between that every dollar. Represents a consumer. Right. And imagine now a consumer, $75 billion of consumption to a plant that helps people, versus to contrast that to alcohol, $75 billion to do what? To destroy brain cells.
0: And and you know, and 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 again, and let's just go back to I want to go back to this opioid thing. I'm so sorry, but you know, the pharmaceutical industry, it, we know the truth. The truth is out there. These are people who understood. They have thresholds of how addicted they want to make you be. Mm. There are people who sit around, you know, I used to, I used to think to myself and I've spoken before lots of traders in America. I spoke a couple of weeks to the um, specialty pharmacy association. I spoke a couple of weeks before that uh, nurses association. And, you know, when I talk to the nurses, they, they, these aren't people who go to sleep at night, wake up in the morning saying I'm gonna go up and fuck some people up today. Right, they wake up in the morning. and They think I want to go heal some people. Right, I want to go help some people. But the pharmaceutical industry, yes, there are those that are driven by the fact that they want to create a medication that will help so many. I'm, i mm. I believe that. But I also know that there's a group of them people in that in there that, that get up in the morning and they're scheming like, how can I take down two more? How can mm-hmm. I get nothing? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like it, mm-hmm. it's evil. And Mm. those same people that are lining the pockets of our politicians who are voting against something that will be a a, a competitor to them. I mean, I I visited Israel mm, 12 years ago, went to see Dr. Meshulam, who's considered the godfather of cannabis, in his laboratory the Hype Institute. And I remember the fact that the legislation in Israel back then looked at cannabis as a geriatric drug. You hit the age of either 65 or 70. You could literally take your ID down to one of about five hospitals, turn your ID in, and they would give you an ounce of pot. Why? Because they recognized how hard it was to import some of the drugs that cannabis solved the were a solution to. Mm. So they were prepared to give their senior citizens cannabis so that they could reduce the number of drugs they were on. And you think about that, man. That's the reason why... You know, there's not a a million different pharmaceutical companies out of Israel. There's about four or five. You know, there's a million of them here in the United States because we don't care about how we allow these people who are paying for the dinners and the cars and the plane tickets for our politicians to rape us. Mm. And until we as a nation stop and start considering the truth, I mean, again, let's go back to, you know, uh, Early seventeen hundreds, mid seventeen hundreds. Come on, man! People don't recognize the fact that those were harsh times. Hardy mm-hmm. people, man. You didn't have a toilet, right? You know, you didn't have a bed. You walked out in the in the in the bushes and grabbed yourself a leaf, right? You well, and, and 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 there was no air conditioning. There was no heat. Mm. So why weren't people? Of course, people walking around with a splib in their mouth. Everybody in the country drank near beer because mm. we couldn't figure out how to purify water. So therefore, we brewed a 2.9 percent alcohol beer to kill all the bacteria. Babies drank beer. Mm. People, the water you drank wasn't like water out of the, out of the river. Hell no, you drank water out of the river. You were going to die because 100 feet up the river from you, a, a squirrel and a bear just pissed in it and took a shit. So. When you drank water, you either boiled it and then you boiled it. It didn't last more than about three hours to be stay pure. So they started putting alcohol in it. The alcohol at a lower content helped contain and control some of the bacteria. Mm. So everybody walked around with a little, come on, an eight-year-old, nine-year-old walking around with 2.9 beer. By about the third glass, you know they had a little buzz. Everybody (laughs) had a little buzz. Right, right. Jefferson, that homeboy was a hemp grower. You oh yeah, me, you gonna tell me he didn't smoke his Washington oh, he hemp grower?
1: Oh yeah.
0: All the 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 ceremonies that he he put in place in the Masons. You know when they're walking around that Mason tent swinging that that lantern, claiming it's incense. Ha! Incense my ass. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you wanna know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online
1: business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm gonna show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. You no, know that was him. You know, it's you know, it's funny too. Montel is. I would argue that the majority of politicians today probably yeah. consume.
0: I I, right? I would be right there with you, my friend.
1: They probably still it that probably still hasn't changed.
0: Is my and guess. It, and as soon as they jump out of office, they all try to figure out how they can become a part of the cannabis company. Oh,
1: we've Let, Let's look at Mr.
0: Boehner. It. You know, let's look at a lot of these politicians who are now out here. Let, let's look. Uh, come on now, um, Mitch McConnell. If anybody doesn't think that Mitch isn't into hemp, why did he push the hemp bill to make sure his boys in Kentucky got a big piece of it? Stop. Uh, so I, I, I can just go on and on and on for hours. but brother, let, let me let me slow down for a little bit because I did jump, we jump right here, jump okay. right in. So thank you, I appreciate you jumping in like that. Love it. Look, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Let's talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, what your aspirations were when you were young. I know you weren't. Thinking to yourself, I think I want to go to that school up there on the Hudson.
1: When
0: <laughs> you were a kid.
1: Um,
0: no, I can hold that against you, by the way. But I just, no, just no, no, no.
1: My God, no. Um, I didn't know, I didn't even know that I was thinking as a kid. That was my childhood. <laughs> gotcha. I, didn't even know, I didn't even know what to think. I was really just trying to, um, if I'm being honest with you, Montel, I think I was just trying to find some sense of love and legitimacy in this world. And for me, what that manifested into, like most young boys, is, okay, I want to go and achieve and do something really hard and something that brings me a sense of honor. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to, um, for whatever reason, uh, the school l- l- let me attend. And so I was fortunate enough to go to West Point. And I tell you what, I was, um, the, the experience was I say now, and if if the folks that knew me back in the day, they would be laughing. But the experience was wasted on me a little bit. I um, I, I took it for granted. I wanted to uh, rebel against it because I wasn't going there for the for maybe the most purest reasons. And um, don't feel bad about
0: that, my friend. I'm class of eighty from the Naval Academy, and it was the same thing for me. Right. You know, there was times that I look back at it now, and I and you know, of course, with, with age comes wisdom. So right you know, now you realize that, damn, man, I could have really taken advantage of a lot of opportunity that was right there in front of me and I could have knocked it out the park and I didn't do it. because Yeah. I was
1: busy, busy playing inside of my own head. Yeah, you, that's it. Playing inside of my own head. And um, while I was there, maybe maybe this resonates with some folks while I was there, I was looking about getting out of there. That's yeah. all I was thinking about. What's next? What's next? What's next? And for me, it was the Army. And 9-11 had just happened and um uh commissioned as an officer, went to to flight school, ended up flying um, Apache helicopters, which is you know that's one of the brilliant things about the military. You get into the civilian world, and I I I know you know what I'm talking about, and it seems as though you have to go through a inordinate amount of training and go through a bunch of schools just to even sit in the room. I remember as a consultant and I remember thinking to myself, man, I was flying Apache helicopters at the age of 23. I had 18 year old kids with a GED fixing my engines and they were the best mechanics I had ever known. Um, so really got to, for the first time in my, my, my early adult life, really taste what leadership was. And, um, I, you know, you read about all the, you read all the books and you 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 read the same, same course that you took the same course as I did Montel. Yep. If you could boil it down, when I started to tap into was just a real sense of love. And um, man, I, I love that. I love my guys. I love my unit. What I didn't really necessarily love was what was, what I was doing over in Iraq. And I, something just didn't feel right in my heart. And I'm not saying what was right or what was wrong, but for me, I remember just flying helicopter missions all day, and I my mind would always go down to the people, uh, the, the Iraqi people, just just like going to school and going to work, and like, man, maybe there's a better way to help those kinds of people. And um, as uh, as tough as it was for me to say goodbye to my my peers in the army, my my soldiers who I led. I felt a real sense of guilt, um, but something was kind of pulling at me to go and explore something outside the military, see if I could help some people in this world, and that set forth a whole nother kind of set of learnings. Um, and happy to get into that, but yeah, I spent some time sure. in the military and se- seven years on active duty.
0: And that time on active duty is where really kind of where you define your life in the sense of from your diet to your fitness routines to your mental I'd say mm-hmm. limits. You put limits on yourself while you were in the military. Yes. But once you got out, you started lifting those limits, did you not?
1: Yeah. That's uh you know what I realized was the the actual limitation for myself was who I thought I was. Right. I thought I was Captain Rosenfeld. I thought I, you know, had the Ranger tab. I thought I had so many hours. I thought I was gonna to go to this unit and that unit. And that was I was chasing to quote one of my my good friends, Scott Harrington, who's also a West Pointer and pilot. He's like, Man, we were chasing the should. We were trying to master the should instead of mastering the self. And then once once I got out of the military and I could literally and figuratively take the uniform off, then I was I felt naked my God, who am I? If I'm not this or doing that. And that was the first time where I, where I was, uh, I lost my sense of self and maybe that was uh that happened to me while in the military, but the, at least the military gave me a sense of self. Hey, this is who you are. And once that went away, that was a, that was a pivotal chapter in my life. And first time, well, I actually, yeah. do,
0: you, do, do you do what I do sometimes? That's funny. It's like, you know, Uh, Just the other days, it it was brought to my attention again. I I almost—I was a direct support cryptologist, so I spent time on all kinds of platforms. And I mean, I did. I I got—I had well over 300 days under the water, three different submarine missions. You know what I mean? And I look back at it now and go, "Did you do that? Yeah, I did did do that." You know, (laughs) and and I—I did. I was the first on the one of the first cruises since World War II. Where they authorize people to have alcohol at sea. I was I did an Indian Ocean cruise that was like about 179 days straight. You know, and it's like, I did that? Yeah, I right. did do that. Didn't I do that? That was part of my life. Holy moly. Right. You know, I was part of I was part of the original crew that helped uh, you know, we while well, while out in the Indian Ocean, my uh debt literally were the guys that were intercepting all the transmission from Gaddafi and boys, and we're the ones that put you know, help put missiles on target. Hmm. I did
1: that?
0: Mm. Wow. I did do that didn't I? Yeah, I guess I did. I mean, that's, that's what it hit. Does that hit you like that now?
1: Oh yeah. And Montel, I would tell you, right. Like, could you imagine your military self looking at you now? Oh, hell no. Right. And being like, wow, I did that. Yeah. I did all those things. I helped all those people, you know, it's um. so uh, to answer your question, it, it seems like I was living another, that was another person living another life. Right. It was an, I, I, uh, I, I taught, I have some really close friends from school, as I'm sure you do too. Brothers. Like I, I without them, I'm like, I'm not here. And, and they were, they're still in. And I call them sometimes. And we, you know, we, we, we shoot the shit. And uh, man, there's something in the back of my mind where they tell me, they're like, you're, you're different, not worse, not, not better, not worse. Just you're different. And I say, thank you. Um, you know, I'm I, cause I am different. I'm not the same person I was when I was 25. I'm not the same person I was when I was 15. Uh, so yes, it's a. I uh, I look back with a sense of gratitude to have gone through the things that I have gone. Could I do them again? Knowing what I know, that's a tough one for me to answer, Montel. Right. Um,
0: well, yeah, I to tell you something, it's the same for me, my friend. It's like, I look, yeah. I'm look. i looking at our society today, looking at where we are as a nation. Would I have done this all now? Well, let's put it this way. I've got a son who could have joined and I talked him out of it.
1: Right, right.
0: Like, no, I, I have not, there, there'll be no reason for you to want to join the military from my perspective. But right. uh, I'm not going to stop you, but, but right. uh, you know, I, I, I literally, I don't know if I would have done it all again. People say, well, I would do the exact same things I did before. Mm, I'm not necessarily sure.
1: Right. And,
0: you know? Yeah. However, But I'm glad I did them. They're all now part of me. Why exactly. I, who I am. You know, I, I remember distinctly on one of my sub cruises. you know, I, I took a, I took a, cause again, you're, you're you're hatch to hatch 91 days. And at the time you know, my particular job as a as a cryptologic direct support officer on a submarine, my bunk was underneath the executive officer's bunk. So, I mean, his bed was like, you know, a foot and a half off the floor and I slept under it. Oh, my God. So I, yeah, because I had to lift his bed up. I got in. It was, it was so narrow of a space for me to roll over. I remember I used to have to slide my upper body out, turn over, slide back in. Oh my god. Like at two o'clock in the morning, you, you wake up or whatever the little bit of sleep time you got. And but I use that time, you know, because I the job that I did required me to be awake as long as the captain was awake. So mm. if the captain was on a bridge, I was on the bridge. And I was actually doing and then when he went to sleep, I could sleep, get up before him to be ready to brief him for whatever happened. And and I can remember. Some of my downtime, which were, you know, I had to do the mission report at a couple of days that took, took me about two and a half hours after I literally went in to go to bed. It would take me two and a half hours to do the, the mission report because I had to plot everything that went on that day. Sure. Um, and then um, uh, I would literally spend about an hour, another hour of my five hours total that I would have off. Uh, so I had two hours writing, an hour thinking, two hours sleeping, get back up. Um, in that one hour thinking, I literally use that time to really do some real deep soul searching of myself. Wow. And just did some deep, you know, I used to ask the question of myself, um, is, is anything I've done in my past worth talking about today? Mm. And why did I react to things the way I did in my past? So I tried to take myself apart, did some self-reflection. Come I did that three times, 90 days each, man. And it really was what changed my life. It made me understand that I needed to get out when wow. I got out. Um, and, uh, but when I got out, I really didn't, didn't, had had not planned to have a career in television. I got out thinking that I was going to, uh, at the time I was a motivational speaker. So I was just going to continue doing that. Yeah. And that took off. What were your plans when you first got out of the military? <laughs>
1: Man, you, you did more self-reflection than – I'm 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 catching up to that now.
0: Well, there you go. Go exactly. back in
1: my life and be like, man, how did, why did I make those decisions and all those – I wish I had done that in the military. Maybe not. Uh, well, I wasn't ready for it.
0: That's something you can do now, especially something that – I think that's something that cannabis can help you do because you know, when you're in one of those reflective moments, man. I mean, you know, it's really funny. I tried on my first trip – could just tell you how I did it. My first trip, I said – I want to try to remember the earliest memory I had in life. Mm. And I mean, I literally took myself apart. I remember man standing in a crib, throwing a bottle out the window. And remember, I did it over and over again because my sisters or my mother would freak out and run and go get the bottle and bring it back up. We were in a second story apartment. So I'd throw this bottle out the window. Of course, they would go get it, and bring it up. And then I started thinking, OK, now let's move forward. I remember falling out of bed when I was three years old. Uh, from a bunk bed two two beds up, hit the mm. floor, smash my nose. um I remember when I was four running in the hallway with a stick in my mouth falling down and almost punching it through the back of my neck. Mm. I remember there's things I just remember as a kid that i I you know, man, we, we never really take the time to think what's your earliest memory, and if you oh. really really sit there and dig into it, things will come to you that you can't even imagine,
1: oh man, that's and, been good. Okay. Yeah. That's been part of my healing journey. And that's cannabis has helped create the space where I can view myself from a place of non-judgment and self-empathy to go and visit that. And then what ends up happening for me, at least, Montel, is. And this is the healing journey. And this is I I would like to talk about this for a sec because I it's helped me in my heart where a lot of people think that cannabis or other plant medicines is the panacea. Right. Where it's like, oh, if I just try this mushroom or smoke this joint, then all of a sudden I'm healed.
0: Right.
1: Right. Man, that is not that that is not going to happen. What you just described is that the integration is so key. And for me, when I consume cannabis and other plant medicines, I get into a meditative state where I can go and visit those times of my childhood where I, you know, I know a little bit about your story, Montel, but all of us have trauma. Yep. All of it's our, as my, you know, Ram Das says, it's grist for the mill. It's our curriculum to live, to go through life and to understand and experience the self. So when I consumed cannabis and I first consumed cannabis when I was 29 years old, I had been, I got out of the army. I had been the top of everything you could, any list you could imagine i worked out harder than anybody i'm going into mit for business school and still i felt like man i'm i'm struggling with myself right? right and i started to consume cannabis reluctantly but for my family they said listen you might want to give this a shot before you just say no to it at least try it and really it provided me this safe space within myself to go and visit those moments and then, you know, you, you start going from the most recent back. So I was like, oh, why Why? Why did I get, why did I go, why did I decide to go to West Point in the first place, right? All those things. That's right there when you started
0: off with the right word. Why? Why? Right. When you can take your brain out of the picture for a second and allow yourself to question your actions. Mm. Question your actions. I mean, I, I literally did a soul search of, i remember when i was in this grade why did i yell at that person Mm. why did i throw a book at that person Mm. why did i a year later hurt this person emotionally who the hell was i to do that was that for my own personal satisfaction to make me feel bigger why really what was happening in that moment i mean Mm. i've taken apart arguments standing in in playgrounds i've taken apart arguments standing you know on a bus sitting on a bus I've taken apart arguments um, that I had at the academy with a, a, a second class when I was a plebe, and mm. with a third class when I was a first class. You know what I mean? Right. And and I've taken apart I've taken apart decisions I made when I decided to yell at somebody. Well, who the fuck are you? And right? Why was that so important that I had the right to yell at that person, and did not even consider for one second their feelings when I did it. Mm. And reflected on that enough to say to myself i'm never going to do that again i'm never going to just be a, a person who decides to just be evil from what why do these words coming out of my mouth are they that important in the big scheme of things to make someone else feel bad who do who do i think i am
1: right
0: you know and right. so yeah god i'm sorry i made a cut job of that that, that no.
1: question. why yes yeah and and, and- the ability to ask yourself why with also being able to forgive yourself. Yes. Right? We're, we're speaking as two veterans, and we know our veteran community, there's a lot of folks that are unable to go and visit some of the trauma that they may have experienced during their time of service because they, they can't come from a place of non-judgment and self-empathy. Right? Right. And so you, you, you mentioned – Man, why I yell at that person in the playground? Well, I would venture to say, however young a, a Montel was, there was stuff going on in your life where man, you were just doing the best you could. Yep. And if we could just first forgive ourselves on that, now it becomes a lot easier to, to forgive others. And this is what Bob Marley meant when, can, when he said cannabis or the herb is the healing of a nation. It's the healing of the self. The first nation is yourself. And then you can go out and start helping other people. Right. And, and that's really, really important and something that this plant has given to me. And quite frankly, this is why we, me and my brother and my friends and this, this company we have and so many others in the industry, to include yourself, are, are so passionate about this plant because, man, it, this has helped us heal. And we know that this mm. there are millions of people in this world that need that kind of healing. It's not the no only ifs, thing.
0: Buts. No ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, I, I often think, you know, it's it's funny. If we all just at the same people who who crashed into the Capitol in anger, but yeah. were smoking that joint, if they had just stopped for a mechanism and stood outside, smoked that joint and settled down for a second, they would never cross the line. They would have probably never gone in there, but they got caught up in all the angst and stuff around them now. And then by the time they got in, it was like, Hmm, should I really sure. have done this? Should I really have done this. So, I mean, I think as a nation, boy, you know, I wish we could have a national, well, 420 day. I wish the whole nation would stop for a second and take a big hit. Talk to me, though, when you first came out of the military, what were you planning on doing? You went to MIT, you said?
1: I, I, so, I I say as it, like I had some plan. I had no plan. I had, and I'm an officer, a, a West Pointer. Man, I had no plan. I can't imagine people that didn't have the agency and resources that I had. And I, it was a, it's kind of not a funny, it was a funny story in retrospect. I Googled, because uh, all my friends from West Point were going to business school. I had no idea what business school was. And so I Googled the best business school in the world. And of course, Harvard Business School comes up. And so I did, you know, what I, I was like, okay, I'm going to apply to Harvard Business School and wrote my essays and took my tests and applied thinking that I was just going to get in and, uh, you know, I'm putting my paperwork in, in the army and, my brigade officer, my general officers. What do you? What are your plans? Was, oh, I'm going to go to Harvard Business School, and they didn't even ask to be like, oh, did you get in? Or said, oh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. so, congratulations. I get the letter. Hey, you're you you are not going to Harvard Business School. We rejected you. <laughs> and I remember, like, yeah, two months out, two months from getting out, and um, it was a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, it was a beautiful sign from the gods or whomever, the universe, whatever you want to say, say, no, 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 Sock. it's not that easy. You're not going to go and just chase one achievement to the next. We're going to slow this down for you. And so I had to take a moment and figure out what spoke to my heart. No money, no no fame, no, no accolades. And I remember reading this book in Iraq called A Fistful of Rice, and it was about microfinance and the power of what microfinance, very small loans given to usually uh the the poorest of the poor and specifically the women of the poorest of the poor communities in this world and the benefits of that and I, I remember I opened that book back up I was talking to my wife Emily at the time and I said I want to go and do this and because I really wanted to do that from my heart not here but from my heart man the doors opened up I met with the whole Planet Foundation from Whole Foods and they essentially sent me to Guatemala to go and experience microfinance with Grameen Bank, and it was my wife and myself in the highlands of Guatemala, just doing what spoke to my heart. And from that point forward, it's, it's even a crazier story, Montel, because there was a uh, a research paper done by students from MIT Sloan, the business school at MIT, and they wrote about this little program in Guatemala. And I remember reading it and thinking. That's the school I want to go to now. Now I understand why why I want to go to business schools, to help people. And I wrote the professor and and, uh, snuck my way in there and very fortunate to, to be able to get in there. But that was the first moment. I don't know if you've ever heard this term, following your bliss. Of course. Right? Man, that was the first moment. I wasn't aware of it at the time. But now in retrospect, I realize, ah. If you follow your heart, man, the universe kind of opens up and will create this path for you. may not look like what you want at the time, but it filled my heart. I was making no money, none of that, but it was so fulfilling is the word I would use. And so from there, I I went to business school and I fell into the same damn trap. Chasing the next big, oh, what's the fanciest, most elite thing I can do? So I decided to go to, to this consulting firm called McKinsey. It was a great firm, but man, it's, it didn't speak to my heart. Gotcha. And uh, first week I was there, I came back home and told my, my, my wife, I was like, I, I can't do this. And uh, she's like, what do you mean you can't do this? We, we moved out to California, we graduated business school. And I was like, this is, this is not this is not who I am. And a few months later, I had this idea for Jane. And I was at least smart enough that time to listen and say, okay. And I'm at
0: that point, when, when you had the idea for Jane, though, were you now, I could, had you then transitioned into becoming a cannabis consumer? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I was a cannabis consumer really during my time at business school. So it was you a very, and I was a closeted consumer. I was ashamed. Oh, my God. I was guilty. I was embarrassed. I thought I was like. I was uh, uh, dishonoring my family and the people that let me go, you know, accepted me to go to school. But at the time, Colorado and California were just emerging as legal markets. And I was thinking to myself, here I am at MIT studying how all the great technology companies got built by timing a new market to open. Right. We studied this, whether that's Uber, Airbnb or Amazon. It was just and I remember thinking to myself, what a cool story that would be, if one day there was a case written about Jane, about you know a business case study written about Jane about the, the you know getting into the cannabis industry. And uh, now they now they teach the the uh, Jane Technologies case at MIT. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's, run, let's, run, let's run, talk run, about run.
0: what what is Jane. Tell me what Jane is.
1: So Jane, <laughs> it's a great question. Jane is a company and a group of people is really what it is. They ask me, what are you doing at Jane? I just say, I'm just creating a space for people to create. But the, the technical answer, it's a, it's a tech company that's creating the digital infrastructure for this legal industry. So whether it's e-commerce or digital advertising, payments, analytics, we're here to empower the brands and retailers to go and empower themselves so that we can build this, this fair, balanced ecosystem together. Because the, in the back of my mind, when I was a consumer and a medical consumer out here in California, I was so excited. I moved from Boston. I came out to California. I heard get a medical card, get real good, good medicine. But still, I didn't know if I'm getting the right product. I didn't know if I was getting like what brand this was. Was this grown outside, inside? I didn't know the lab information. I didn't know what other people had to say. I didn't know if this was the right price I was paying. And this was, this was 2016 at the time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I could go and stay in a stranger's house on Airbnb and feel completely comfortable doing so because I had an online or digital tooling that helped make me an informed consumer. And on Amazon, I could buy anything on Amazon in 10, 15 minutes. I feel like I've done my research. But when it came to a product that was putting into my body, that was really affecting my well-being, I had no resources. And that was really the inspiration for us to go and build Jane, knowing full well that, like you said, $75, $100 billion worth of demand in this country for this plant, people willing to break the law, people willing to meet other people in a dark parking lot like I did in Boston. Man, why don't we go and provide them access about a plant where they can get access just the same way they can get access on everything else, food they eat, products they buy. So that was our mission here at Jane, and and we started that six, seven years ago, and we haven't stopped, and it's been a a true dream come true. And it's a national platform now. Anybody can use it anywhere? National platform, 3,000 brands and retailers across 38 states. We're in Canada, too. But you can open up the Jane app, and now you can get recommendations based on specifically how you shop. You can read over a million, two million verified reviews on products of people who have confirmed to have purchased those products and said, Hey, this helped me go to sleep or, Hey, this kept me really, really kind of energetic and creative. Um, you can compare by, by price. Basically you can shop for cannabis now, like you shop for anything else in this world. And that's, that's the mission that we're on.
0: And would you, I, I, I'm throwing them out, the names out here, but I'm I'm not trying to promote them. I'm just saying, how's it different from like weed maps or Leafly?
1: Yeah, great question. We respect those platforms. They were, they were the first ones in. But um, We Maps and Lethally is very similar to Yelp. Um, and if you if you if you are familiar with Yelp, right, it's a it's a directory listing. It's got information And 10, 15 years ago or 20 years ago when you, know, you could fire up Yelp and be like, oh, this is the business's address and their phone number. Man, that's that was really helpful. We Maps and Leafly were doing the same thing back in 2009 2010, when it was unheard of. But just like Yelp, man, it's very hard to shop from those sites. Gotcha. It's, right, very hard to feel like you're getting curation and taking millions and millions of products and, and, and getting that down to about 12 that really work for you. And then we have the ability to also find and locate individual products in real time. You're in Miami right now. Montel. Right. So if you open up the Jane app, what we're doing right now is we'll be sourcing all live inventory from all those retailers and dispensaries in South Florida and letting you peruse those and shop from them in real time. And that's something that not, not any other platform is able to do in this space right now.
0: Wow. That's great. And, um, you know, what's what's your future idea of what you want to
1: do with Jane? Um, we we uh, like like we open this call there's still a lot of work to be done, not only in this country, but around the world. And for us, where there's an opportunity for technology to help, and I, I want to be very clear, I, you mentioned these pharmaceuticals, You know, nurses and doctors wake up every day wanting to help people, but then maybe some folks in the pharmaceutical business are more looking at their bottom line and stock price than they are about the mission. And for us, we never want to lose sight of that mission. So wherever we can provide access to this plant, we're going to go and do that. We're not growing the plant. We're not opening up our own retail stores. those That's the hardest job in this industry. And we want to use our digital tool to help empower those folks. So whether that's helping cultivators, whether that's helping our dispensary operators more and more, whether that's continuing to help our brand partners, that's what we're going to build to go and ensure that this industry as it scales, can remain a balanced, diverse, fair, transparent ecosystem, and we think technology is a big, big driver of that—not the only driver, but a big one—and that's where that's where we intend to go. So, um, yeah, we're yeah, gonna
0: yeah, I would agree with you 100%. It's like technology could be—it is going to be what helps to drive this industry in Texas. But one of the things that we've kind of missed out on a lot of is direct education to the consumer. That's it. What I mean, what I mean. Yes, yeah you're giving them information about where they can go get product but stop for a second and say how does that product affect you do you know anything about your endocannabinoid system
1: it's it. do you know
0: why you actually are, are driven to want to consume cannabis because there's something inside of you that's that wants it and it's part of what your neurological makeup is all about I mean I, I just I, I, I think that we've done such a re- incredible job. B2B in this business, but we've done such a piss-poor job, B2C.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you. And there's three um, – we have this board member, Jeff, who who talks about uh, – he's built a lot of e-commerce businesses. And he says, in order to build a real marketplace, you got to have three things, commerce, content, and community. And for us, we spent five years working on the commerce part. Right? We said, okay, let's get the products. Let's allow people to, to purchase. That's a very hard step to get done. And I'm very proud of the team that we've done that. But the next step now is the content and community piece. Right now, Montel, what you just said, we have about 2 million verified product reviews where consumers who have purchased the products that you're looking at in South Florida will be able to tell you, hey, Fifty-one percent of them said this helped them go to sleep. Thirty-two percent said this helped them with with appetite increase or quelled their appetite, mm-hmm. right? And it's this isn't Jane saying that. This isn't the brand that's that's fixing to get money saying that. This isn't a dispensary that got paid to say that. These are the actual patients and consumers who have tried that product. They're going to tell you that. That's kind of one piece. But the other piece is this content piece. Is okay? Can we get these? can we get medical research on here we start informing people of what the endocannabinoid system is can we inform them that hey it's not the THC that's that's really that's you're gravitating to it's actually the myrcene terpene in there that you really like because it helps with anti-anti-anxiety helps you go to sleep but it's a we have to walk in step with the education of the consumer we can't just start talking about, terpenes without first earning the trust of that consumer and that's what we've worked hard to do but just know that content and community are two legs upon which this marketplace stands we haven't even gone there yet and that's very important for us from here moving forward
0: well as you move forward reach out to me my brother because i'd love to help you guys do that because i, I you love you.
1: that okay it's not a finally
0: finally finally and this is worldwide this is not just guys. I mean. Unfortunately. We seem to think that we're leading the charge. And I think in the next four or five years, we're going to find out very quickly that we might be on the tail wagging the tail. Yeah. Because, you know, you look at places like South Africa, you look at Colombia, you look at China, you look at India, you look at Spain, you look around the world. And there's a lot of other people who have decided that, you know what? I think what we need to do is start educating our masses to understand why they even want to consider
1: this. Right. Right. So
0: they're doing what you know what what uh, I think really should have happened in this business five or six years ago, and we completely ran away from. It. We have so many conventions and so many gatherings, you know where we get together and try to sell you the newest extraction equipment and the newest bullshit when the truth of the matter is we should be coming together as an industry and realizing that a rising tide lifts all boats. So if we got together as an industry and started, implementing practices that other proven industries have utilized to move the bar, especially from a legislative standpoint, we could achieve what it is we want to achieve. But as long as we're still on the ground fighting with each other for a little piece of the fiefdom, we're going to be fighting with each other for the next 10 years, uh, looking at the same bullshit.
1: That's it. um, There's this great author out there, Simon Sinek. He wrote this book called The Infinite Game. It's a really good book. I'm not one to read a lot of business books. You can just ask my my professors. But this one's really interesting. That they what he talks about is you know, a finite game is like the 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 basketball game that we watched last night, where you know that there are two opponents, there's a set score, there's a winner, and then there's a loser in business. We've been made to believe that this is a finite game. We've been made to believe that in order for me to win, I need to beat Weed Maps and Leafly in order for Jane to win. Right? I'm just using this example that we don't believe that. What, what, what we're arguing at Jane, and Simon Sinek has, has, has done it a lot more eloquently than I have, but what, what the argument is man, this is an infinite game, and it's not about beating winning means resiliency winning means hey can we can we stick around and continue to grow and and do good in this world hopefully and if we can just man back when i was walking the hallways of these conferences in 2016 2017 that was still there that was still there in the room people were still about hey let's let's move this plan forward and more and more it's less about that and i think that's why it's it's important that we we have people like you we have companies like Jane here to make sure that we it's a reminder. We're not going away. Hey, we're, we're here because of the plant. And that's what it all comes down to. Even back to bringing it full circle when we were talking about politicians talking about this law and that law and let's get back to the truth. And the truth is this plant helps each other. If we can find a way to expand access to this plant together and not beat each other up in the process, everybody will win. Absolutely. I often say this is
0: this 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 industry is no further down the pike than the Wright brothers pushing that wooden plane down a hill. We got 70 years of 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 innovation coming.
1: Yeah we don't even
0: know about yet. So yeah. busy looking at that. So Amen. look, I'm almost out of time. So let's do this, right? Give give people some stats. Where can you go to find out more about you?
1: Find out uh, more about us at iHeartJane.com. If you've got a, an a Apple iPhone, you'll be able to download the app from there. If you're not and you're an Android user, we're waiting for Google to change the rules. We'll, we'll get you an app there soon, but you can uh, obviously order from iHeartJane.com. And uh, if you want to reach out to us directly, info at iHeartJane. We'd love hearing from all of you guys.
0: Sure. Look, I'd love to have you back. but because I had so many more questions I want to talk to you about. Actually, about you know veterans and things like that. So can we get you back? 100%.
1: Really all appreciate right. everything you're doing.
0: It's been really a wonderful thing. And, you know, I, or go Navy, beat Army. <laughs> I had to say that. Go However, Army beat Navy. There you go. And, uh, look, <laughs> we have a wonderful holiday season, and let's get back together as quickly as we can. Okay. Thanks so much,
1: brother. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And I want all of you, if you've been interested in this conversation, make sure you tune in to the next edition of Let's Be Built with Montel. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.